0: Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast.
1: You know what, Stuart? I like you. You're not like the other people here in the trailer park. Oh, don't, don't get me wrong. They're fine people. They're good Americans. They're content to sit back, maybe watch a little Morgan Mindy on Channel 57, maybe kick back a cool, cord 16-ouncer. They're good, fine people, Stuart, but they don't know what the queers are doing to the soil. You know that Johnny Works for Kids? Kids learns papers in the neighborhood. He's a fine kid. Some of the neighbors say he smokes crack, but I don't believe it. Anyway, for his 10th birthday, all he wanted was a furrow owl. As long as I live But the guy breaks down And flies him a burrow owl Anyway 10.30 The other night I go out to my yard And there's the worker kid Looking up the tree I say, what are you looking for? So I'm looking for a burrow owl I say, something Jesus on a promo stick Everybody knows The burrow owl Lives in a hole In the ground Why the hell do you think They call a burrow owl anyway? Now, of course Do you think a kid like that Is going to know What the queers are doing to the soil? I first became aware of all this About ten years ago my oldest boy, Bill Jr. died. You know that carnival comes through town every year. Well, this year they came through with a ride called the Mixer. The man said, "Keep your head and arms inside the mixer at all times." But Bill Jr. he was a daredevil, just like his old man. He was leaning out saying, "Hey everybody, look at me, look at me, Now, He was decapitated. They found his head over by the snow cone concession. A few days. as a soil around any large U.S. city with a big underground homosexual population. Des Moines, Iowa, perfect example. Look at the soil around Des Moines, Stuart. You can't build on it. You can't grow anything in it. The government says it's due to poor farming. But I know what's really going on, Stuart. I know it's the queer. They're in it with the aliens. They're building landing strips for gay Martians. I swear to God. You know what's But you also had people that were very fine people. Very fine people on both sides. And the, and the aliens with mind meld and give them the
2: technology. They're bad aliens. So, um, a- Are you surprised the Nazis were influenced by demons? No, if demons are real, I would definitely think they'd be on the side of the Nazis. Yeah.
0: McDonald's is connected to the Clintons. They chop up the bodies and put them into the sausage and hamburgers. People are being cannibalized. Look it up.
3: And I'm watching CNN talk about this as violent white nationalist protests. We have done everything in our power to keep this peaceful. You know, it's uh, Pepe has become kind of a symbol.
4: Welcome to Yeah Na Pesaran, a show about fascism and its gravediggers. I'm Cam Smith. I'm Andy Fleming. And we're joined this week by our regular correspondent from the failing empire of the United States, now uh, with Added On Fire. Thanks for joining us, Jason Wilson.
2: Thanks for having me, as always. Great to chat. Uh,
4: How's everything going with the wildfires?
2: I mean... (laughs) Well, you know, things have actually improved. There's not as much smoke in the air as there was for most of last week. Just it's starting to look, at least in the Portland metro area, like something like a normal Oregon autumn. Of course, the fires are still burning on the west slope of the Cascade Mountains, sort of southeast of Portland. But uh, a lot of areas around there also have now been, had their evacuation orders lifted. So we've turned the corner, but I think that... You know some of the things that happened during the emergency period are troubling and are, are are going to be. We're going to need to think about them for a while, and and they may even be a little bit of a not so nice preview of what might happen in 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 November around the election time. I guess.
4: So yeah, you've you've got these wildfires, and at the same time, you've also got an especially unhelpful disinformation campaign going on. To me, looking at the campaign. Going on around these fires, it reminded me of what happened in Australia back in January with the News Corp campaign of, uh, you know, the arson emergency. Can you explain what's happening? And uh, is this like a bit of a reverse conspiracy culture cringe for Australia, where we've we've actually exported something?
2: Yeah, I think it might be. Um, well, no, you know what I really think? I think this is a kind of global issue now, and. That in fact, the main incubator for it in this case was Facebook. And I know Facebook's been a factor there as well. And I just think it's the same conspiracy culture, you know, that, that, that you've looked at aspects of in your other podcast, Cam. It's just had nine months more to develop. And there's the specific conditions here of a, a pretty appalling response to COVID-19 uh, and lockdowns and all that kind of jazz. The economic impacts associated with that plus the lead up to an extremely contentious election. But but yeah, I think I think a lot of it though just has to do with the fact that it's the same kind of culture. It's the same stuff. It's the same claims. It's the same kinds of disinformation, you know, about leftist activists basically committing arson that you saw in Australia. But it's just this whole thing has had just had nine months more to to incubate. I don't know if it's so much a case of Australia exporting something as it is of a kind of global problem manifesting in, in broadly similar ways with, with differing levels of severity in, in different places at different times. I think it's just this kind of thing is just going to crop up wherever there is some kind of natural disaster now. And we're in for a few, given the reality of climate change and, you know, the, the heating of the planet. Wildfires and sort of tropical weather events in particular, you know, you are expected to become more common. So I, I, I just, uh, I'm hoping against my feeling or my judgment that this is probably just something that's going to happen, you know, everywhere in future.
4: I was was also sort of reminded of the, you know, the fires in the Amazon in Brazil, where Bolsonaro and his cohort were suggesting that it was environmentalists that had lit those. That was a, a little while back. That seems like a precursor to all of this for me.
2: No, I, th- I think that's right. I think, I think, I mean, it's quite a neat trick to blame environmentalists, right? Because, if, you know, the, the 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 real the reality is that wildfire seasons are getting longer uh, and more, and and the fires themselves are getting more intense because things are heating up and drying out, uh, you know, in hotter summers. So blaming environmentalists about for that the, the the kinds of people who have been arguing that we need to address climate change is, is quite a neat trick whether whether or not it's believed or how many people it's believed by I've found myself having to report on this uh, and publish a bunch of stories because it's a serious situation and a matter of public interest that you know people have been charging around the hills southeast of Portland in pursuit of non-existent antifa arsonists I would stand by the decision to report on that stuff, but the point is that it pushes, it, it takes up some space that could be taken up with us discussing what the actual real causes of this are, and what the implications of this are, and what what the future looks like. Even if it's not believed by most people, um, and it is believed by too many people, it's it's something that just pollutes the information environment and means that we aren't able, we have less space and less prominence for the very real issues and implications of, of these events.
3: Uh, Jason, you've made reference to the role that Facebook has played in the circulation of these uh, lies and propaganda, but I also noticed that a podcaster by the name of Joe Rogan uh, announced recently that uh, responsibility for the fires was, at least in part, that of uh, leftist or anti-fascist activists. What do you make of the fact that these sorts of things are now being repeated, even if uh, Joe Rogan apparently apologised for that claim? Uh, the fact that those sorts of ideas are being broadcast by figures like
2: Rogan, I think it shows that people. I would I would put Joe Rogan in a category along with uh, a whole bunch of news consumers who are out there who primed to sort of believe this stuff as soon as they hear it. You know, and, and Joe Rogan, yeah, Joe Rogan, I think just, just clearly it didn't sound implausible to him, however implausible it may actually be, however unprecedented it would be for, for leftists to go up in the hills and, and deliberately light a coordinated series of forest fires. That, that didn't sound implausible to him. It sounded like something he should even mention on his podcast. You know, and, 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 and that's assuming the apology was made in good faith and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I did a story over the weekend uh, based on the Blue Leaks dump and some stuff I pulled out of that, which showed that federal agencies, the FBI, uh, the Department of Homeland Security, the National Counterterrorism Center, you know, had been circulating as intelligence through fusion centers to law enforcement officers all around the country completely baseless really very poorly evidenced analyses suggesting that anarchist extremists as they call them or criminal environmentalists were somehow involved in sabotaging 5g towers and and the evidence for that was really just a couple of social media posts or one one facebook post and one blog post that i could find and you know that just snowballed through the documents produced by other agencies in this vast police intelligence apparatus that the united states has and For too long, it was being repeated as a kind of settled fact. Did that condition the response of local cops to this situation? I mean, certainly a Clackamas County Sheriff's Deputy was suspended after being caught on tape, repeating these kinds of conspiracy theories. A captain in that that Sheriff's Office told the Clackamas County Commission a, a similar kind of conspiracy theory. I mean, is that are they are they getting that or being reinforced in those kind of beliefs by the things they're reading which is circulated as intelligence by by federal agencies i don't know but it's it's kind of conspiracy theories all the way down at the moment and the fact of the matter is that everyone who's been arrested for arson either has a significant criminal history or evident an evident mental health crisis and many of these folks are are houseless they're representative of a, a human catastrophe that's also being Denied and ignored in these moments where we're fantasising about you know some kind of political sabotage campaign. Uh, so it's just stopping us from addressing the very real problems that that, that exist.
3: That's um, presumably one of the functions of this sort of uh, nonsense is to, is precisely to prevent any real attempt to come to grips with the size and scale of the ecological crisis. I guess I wonder to what extent does the uh, receptivity of uh you know n- not insignificant number of the or amount of the population to these sorts of ideas what does that say do you think about the degradation of political discourse in the united states is this a trumpist phenomenon as far as you're concerned or is it evidence of a uh, i guess a, a broader underlying trend in terms of as cam somewhat uh, you know comically introduced you in terms of in the context of a, a decaying empire
2: yeah i mean i i think well I think all of those things. I think it's probably something that's I think overdetermined is the word. <laughs> it's a product of a really polarized sort of disintegration, really, of any kind of shared civic, you know, or communicative space. I mean, people just inhabit completely different universes, mental, informational universes, and things that make sense within one of those universes uh, absolutely don't in the other. And and so, you know, what I've seen for example, throughout this, this emergency is in, in some of the private Facebook groups associated with conservative groups or even local communities. I've, I've seen people, I've seen people kind of be confronted with, I mean, the FBI actually on September 11, I think it was, they, they came out, the Portland FBI came out and exonerated Antifa from, you know, these misinformed suspicions about them lighting fires and said, look, we've got no evidence that this is happening. So clearly it was becoming a problem. The Clackamas County Sheriff's Office did the same thing. But, you know, I watched people receive that information and, and just incorporate it in another layer of, of kind of conspiracy theory. I don't want to say that this is symmetrical, the polarisation. I, I I just think that a significant part of the American right, including the grassroots, you know, the rank and file, have just retreated into this epistemological, I don't know, bubble, I guess. It's a cliché, but it's like they're inside this bubble and, and any kind of unwelcome... ...fact or decent fact is just not allowed to sort of enter... That bubble, you know, so that's that's one thing, and I think that's got to do with media and social media and and and, but also the degeneration of other kinds of institutions and spaces that people might once have used to to debate one another and and or, or, or to 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 get information. I guess that I guess that people are under. To be fair, people are under a lot of stress and a lot of pressure, and that probably that probably helps with spreading conspiracy theories or just irrational thinking in general, when people are under a lot of economic stress, they're breathing in smoke, you know, there's a wildfire approaching, there's still a pandemic, so the state having to issue instructions about what to do if you went to a a, a wildfire shelter during the pandemic, you know, the, the special steps you should take. And, you know, yeah, this election, there's just a lot of, there's a lot going on and, and none of it's particularly positive. And so just that situational stuff might have played a part. There are a lot of powerful actors in this country that are out to misinform people that are out to discourage people from from critical thinking you know whether they be religious organizations uh, whether they be state governments disinvesting in education uh, whether they be conservative media outlets you know there are a lot of powerful actors out there who are persuading people to suspend critical thinking and to reject education and to reject expertise and to reject the idea that those who they, that, that, that that they disagree with uh, might be doing so in good faith, so yeah i I think there's there's so much going on, and it's all every single rooster uh, every single chicken is coming on to roost at the moment, I think, yeah, we've still got six weeks to go until the election
4: <laughs> so you've got this situation where the writers. Is- become somewhat untethered from reality. But we also have this situation where they do live in the same physical universe as us. Uh, how is that playing out on the ground in terms of uh, the physical response to the anti fire arson menace?
2: Well, there's been tons of vigilantism, you know, in rural Oregon. Clearly, that became a problem. You know, I've reported on one instance of a, a sheriff sending a deputy out to speak to a, the people of a small town who had been setting up roadblocks and demanding to know who people were before they were allowed to enter the town. You know, and that happened after a firework went off and caused a small brush fire in the town. But yeah, I mean the sheriff had to send a deputy out to say, "Look, okay, you know, we know you can carry you can walk around with guns, you can open carry, all well, that's fine. Just don't don't block traffic and don't don't demand people's IDs." And um, they did wind up Booking a bunch of guys for doing that after um, the town meeting I reported on, where the deputy you know spoke to people, and, and I've heard of other instances of this. And I'm you know uh, working on some reporting about a, a, a particular similar incident, which I can't say too much about now, but I can say that time and again around the state, you've had these public meetings where, IRL, you can see people just kind of rejecting the authorities that they normally you know would would be uh, claimed to be the biggest supporters of, like the police. They're rejecting information from the police, which is saying things that you're responding to just simply aren't happening, that it's not true. They're not, um, I'm not lying to you. I'm just here to tell you that, that this isn't happening. And you can see people rejecting that in real time, in, uh, in in real life, you know, at these meetings. And there have been, in other places as well, vigilante actions, people have been setting up I've reported on three journalists who've had guns pointed at them in, in these rural towns, which are not far from Portland, by the way. So, I mean, that's that's really been the response. And people leapt into action really quickly. There were... The fires themselves happened on a Tuesday. Wednesday, The, the you know, the, the disinformation machine kicked into gear. And, and by the Wednesday night, yeah, the earliest patrols I've heard of were happening. So that's quite a... that's That's kind of like... Zero to 100 in not <laughs> not many days. And these folks are also being told that they're wrong, that they're doing something that's illegal, that they shouldn't do, that they're not respecting the constitutional rights of their neighbours, and they're kind of rejecting that idea as well. So, yeah, it's a bit of a worry.
4: You're listening to 3CR, 8.55am, 3cr.org.au and 3CR Digital on your DAB radio. We're currently talking to Jason Wilson about the fires in Oregon and disinformation campaigns. Something we've returned to a number of times over, I guess, the past three years is this sort of the worrying trend of armed protesters at these highly polarised protests and counter-protests that we've seen around America, but especially in Portland. And, you know, it was always a worry. What happens when someone actually fires one of these guns? So far, until very recently, I guess it's been a bit of a Cold War and that Cold War has now gone hot. We've seen a couple of really uh, well-publicised shootings at these things. Do you think that switch is going to play a role here? How do you see uh, this playing out?
2: Uh, It's happening at the worst possible time. Bringing pellet guns to protests. That's happened a couple of times now in Portland. So, you know, you'll have right wing demonstrators bringing in airsoft guns, which, you know, usually fire these pellets full of paint. And uh, they're, they're not automatically lethal weapons, but they can take out an eye and they certainly hurt people when they get hit by them. And they're using more gas. A demonstration in Portland on the 22nd, a right wing, a Proud Boy actually. Using one of those folding batons, broke a, a journalist's hand, and and then you have the written house kind of thing, uh, and then the actual, um, well, alleged. I guess it's never come to trial, but alleged homicide. I guess we would still say in Portland. Yeah, it's it's that's all escalated very quickly as well, and it sort of comes at the at the tail end of months of violent confrontations between police and with most of the violence coming from the police between police and demonstrators in in downtown portland so yeah I, I i guess it's fair to say there's there's layers in portland at the moment <laughs> there's uh the pandemic there's you know months of extremely contentious protests giving way into you know sort of politically polarized street fights with you know escalated levels of violence escalated preparedness for violence and this wildfire a, a kind of a witch craze almost amid a wildfire. It was already looking pretty tense and then a Supreme Court judge went and died. So um, it's it's lively. It's very lively. I'm hoping that something happens that just leads everyone to turn it down a few notches, but I can't imagine what that would be.
3: Uh, Trump has declared war on anti-fascism and uh, joining the list of uh, public enemies recently was critical race theorists and he's also declared that patriotism needs to be reintroduced into the national curriculum. Do you think these tactics and this strategy is assisting Trump return to the White House?
2: It's hard to say. I don't personally, you know, I don't think Trump's added a vote since 2016 when he lost the popular vote. Um, I I think he's extremely, obviously he's extremely polarising, but I think Mostly, you know, he's he's driven away or lost more voters than he's he's gained. But those who remain, many of them are fanatically loyal, and and that's who he's speaking to with this stuff. Now, at one level, obviously, he's he's trying to mobilise as much of his base as he can, and that's all that this election will be. You know, apparently, there still are undecided voters, uh, people who claim they're undecided voters out there. Personally, I I don't know that many people have not made a decision about Donald Trump and. That's what the Democrats are making this election about, and Trump's effectively assisting them with that. So it's going to be a battle of the bases, and at one level he's just trying to mobilise his base to maximise his vote, and he's not seeking, I don't think, to win anyone over, and and that's probably not going to be possible. But he's also scripting violence for that base. The question at the moment, and I cannot see inside the his, his mind, um, the question at the moment that you would have to ask, uh, any any kind of reasonable observer I think would have to ask is, well, is he trying to mobilise his base for the election, or has he decided that he can't actually win a fair election, so he's just going to create some kind of mayhem, you know, almost as a Hail Mary, and knowing that if there's mayhem uh, in a chaotic environment, he, he, he often profits from that. So telling people to go out and watch polling stations, he's telling people that if he loses, the election will have been stolen. And this odd sort of projection I've even heard from the Trump people, which is that if you know if Biden loses, he won't concede. So preparing people, I suppose, for the idea that if, if Biden wins, he's actually lost and not conceding. Um, if Biden refuses to concede, it just, it just means he's lost. That kind of logic. So that's not good. I'm concerned, I guess, about. Election Day, Um, Roger Stone, who still to some extent has the president's ear, um, made this extraordinary speech on um, the Alex Jones show last week where he was saying that uh, the president should seize all of the ballots in Nevada. Postal voting was entirely fraudulent. Federal agents should be on hand in states like Nevada to, to, you know, just seize the ballots and, and cease the count. It's 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 extraordinarily, at, at minimum, it's extraordinarily reckless trying to make the election as contentious as possible. But you've got to wonder whether this is emerging as the main strategy. We're probably going to lose uh, in a numerical sense. But if we cause some chaos, we may be able to kind of extract the situation from the fire. I don't know. What does it look like from there? I mean, what do you guys see? With but what, what, what do you think? You and other Australians see at the moment
0: here. Uh,
4: It's weird. (laughs) Before your report about blue leaks came out, it seemed to me like there was almost a possibility that someone had just heard someone talking about BLM over the radio and got them confused, Uh, which we've talked about. that sort of ironic naming before the Bureau of Land Management when we talked about the uh, the Malheur fires, which were actual right-wing arsonists. (laughs) Uh, but it doesn't seem like it's just a misunderstanding.
2: No, look, I think yeah, pe- people people are being are, are frightened and they're being frightened, mm. and and this this is what happens, you know, unfortunately, in a country where not only people often resort to violence, but, but where the means of violence are so much more powerful and available to ordinary people. <sighs> yeah. It's it's a concern, and I'm also concerned that authorities aren't pushing back hard enough against it. And yeah, so that's that's my concern, right? You know, when I think about the kinds of disinformation that might happen around the election, that's my concern.
4: Well, we always leave on such a depressing note. Do, have, do you, is there anything optimistic that you see?
2: <laughs> I mean, like I said, the smoke's gone. Um, I, I I think that I think that I think that Biden will win the election. You know, in in in. In, in every sense of, a, of winning a free and fair election. Yeah. I, I, I think, and if that sticks, I think that, that the country will still be in a bad place, but there'll be some breathing room. So that, that would be my optimistic piece. I think he'll probably win. Um, I think Trump's less popular than he was even in 2016.
4: Well, we'll have to leave it there, Jason. Thanks very much for joining us jason underscore a underscore w on twitter and of course all of your articles can be found on the guardian that's all we've got time for global intifada is up next we'll catch you next week see you later
0: Fitzroy Legal Service has launched a free information and advice phone service for people who have been stopped, questioned, fined or charged for breaching the new COVID-19 restrictions. Have you been fined or charged under the new laws or stopped and questioned by police for being outside? Call 0434 136 501 weekdays between 9am and 5pm. That's zero four three four one three six five zero one, Or head to fitzroy-legal.org.au for more information. You can also report incidents at covidpolicing.org.au. Fitzroy Legal Service is a 3CR supporter.